welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Richard and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, and welcome to episode 66 of the Office 365 Developer Podcast. Hey, Rich, how are you? Good, good. I'm back in Texas today. I'm sitting in Microsoft cubicle land. You know, you guys get all your fancy, like, personal offices, and I'm in this big shared space where people yell at me for being loud. Well, you are pretty loud as a Texan, I've got to admit. Uh, well, you know, sometimes you gotta got to get your voice heard. <laughs> and, and then on your whiteboard in the background, you have, I build apps for cubes. Yeah, I build apps and cubes. Oh, and cubes. That's right. I've, right. I've rearranged some of the cubicle area in here. It's a long story, but... I built someone I, what we call the Mega Cube. A Mega Cube. That's right, the Mega Cube. And you have SharePoint scarves hanging up. Yeah. Your office is a bit of a mess, mate. No, it's actually pretty neat. What are you talking about? <laughs> I did a, a, a preview of uh, the Collab 365 key that I'm doing on, on YouTube. And I, I filmed it in my office and I had a whiteboard behind me, which I wiped off because we we're actually doing some stuff that publicly no one can see yet. And I rewrote on it, this is a secret, top secret whiteboard. And I thought a lot of people would notice it, but it was only CJ that noticed the whiteboard. He's, he's, observ- he's very observant. Very observant. Yeah. He's just checking in on us from his distance in, a, in startup land where they just drink coffee all day and sit in the sun. And put out fires, apparently. He had a fire in And apparently office. put out, yeah, so the next door neighbor's office, he saw smoke coming out of it. So him and Brian Cook rolled their sleeves up, got an axe and smashed the door down and that to pour water on the, um, the PC, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't happen here. I did evacuate the building here and just let it burn down, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> Fire safety and all that. So um, it's been a fairly busy week on the blogosphere. It was quite quiet. Um, well, it was very quiet when I was away on vacation. But um, even when I try to play catch up on Feedly, there wasn't that much solid content. But this week, everyone's gone nutso. Yeah, lots of, lots of good stuff out here. So um, well, what, have you, what have you found? So we can compare notes. Well, um, so... Um, Michael Svensson, he wrote one that I'm, I'm a big fan of. He basically wrote a, an eight-part series on uh, basically Office 365 development uh, using our APIs and kind of the evolution of going through that. So it's really nice how he organizes it into um, a number of really, um, what I would say, palatable kind of smaller topics. So he goes through kind of the concept, and, and it's actually specific to multi-tenant um, Office 365 add-ins. So he goes through kind of the whole concept of, you know, defining something as multi-tenant and creating the project, all the different kind of aspects of it. So I thought it was a, a, a really good write-up, a nice eight-part series for that. Yeah, I, I was flicking through that last night, actually, and um, it's it's a well-written piece on, like, learnings. I really like the bloggers that do that, where they kind of openly kind of admit to where they struggled and, and what resources helped them to kind of overcome those things. Because it's, you know, it's the journey of someone learning these things. And I think it's something I used to do when I first started. And the, the guys that are humble enough to do that are definitely the ones where I, I personally learn the most. Yeah, and he's got some good um, troubleshooting tips, which to me, those are some of the the most valuable ones. It's funny, I, I, did, a, I did an office dev show with Sonia a few weeks back on Angular. And I had one thing missing in my code and, and it took me you know, being live on on video, it t- it took a while to figure out what it was. 
And I was like, Sonia, cut that out. And she was like, no, no, it's good. It's good. And I actually had several people reach out and say, hey, that was really good seeing you debug it and troubleshoot it. Uh, and so I think that's cool to, to see the community putting some troubleshooting tips around these. And, you know, uh, the multi-tenant tenant thing is a little bit more complicated than we'd like it to be. And it's going to get really easy in the near future, but um, it's good to have some good posts around that as well. Yeah. And then um, the other one that came through in a similar ilk was Waldeck. So he did one on the unified API and calling that via mail. And um, again, it was like three things that he caught. And in actual fact, one of our engineers that kind of owns that who has done a bunch of presentations at Build and Ignite kind of reached out to him and thanked him for kind of pointing those things out. And um, they're actually going to look to improve that before we um, make that generally available too. So it's really neat to see um, our MVPs like Waldeck blogging and helping people kind of overcome things here and now in the preview of the API, but also the engineering teams are following this stuff too. So that's good Good to see. He, that's kind of been, you know, he's a regular, but he's done really two in a row, two weeks in a row where he's kind of gone into more minute details of some of those APIs. So he did some kind of what he called the lesser known things around the group's API. And then this one is just general unified API stuff. So it did definitely good, good stuff. A couple of other ones, uh, Simon Yeager uh, wrote a, a couple of uh, two different posts on uh, actually launching Office add-ins from Office Online. So he does one about debugging both for um, Word and for Excel. So, um, you know, this is one of those things that if, if you're developing on a Mac, uh, today we don't support the add-ins in the actual Office client. And so you kind of your kind of first place to do debugging if you're solely on a Mac is is using a browser. Um, and even if, if you're not um, on a Mac, you probably still want to test that scenario. Uh, you know, we, we want to promise you a really consistent experience between a browser and a client and maybe the iPad um, office client. But, um, you know, sometimes things can happen. And so it's good to be able to test on all those different scenarios. And so um, this is, it's funny is, is Simon and I actually had some conversations back and forth as he was trying to figure out this. And um, he was cool enough that once he got it all going, he decided to go ahead and, and blog about his experience and how he was able to achieve it. So hopefully that'll help others that are looking to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And then we had some other things around that too. Um, the, on the same ilk, the Mark Rackley stuff around Office UI Fabric. So uh, Fabric's been out for a while now. The podcast, I think it was like episode 60 with Umberto. Um, but, you know, Mark's more of a, a SharePoint developer editing directly in the SharePoint user interface using JavaScript and kind of injecting it and manipulating the DOM and rendering that way. But um, it was interesting to read his article there and see how... Um, he's taken what the fabric can do and leveraging that in his sites for font styles, um, images, kind of the look and feel approach. And I think people just assume it's just for office add-ins, but you know, any website can use it and make it look like a Microsoft site. I know Andrew Connell had shipped some stuff around this too, where um, it was showing like a whole website using office UI fabric and it just looked like an office Microsoft website. So that kind of thing's really interesting to see, um, people were using that just for styling as well, which is neat. Yeah, you know, one of the things, it's funny, uh, Mark reached out to me privately uh, as he was working with some of this. And one of his feedback items was, hey, I'm working with a few of these controls and they don't seem, they don't seem to be rendering quite right. And I, I've had a similar experience. 
this is one of the reasons why we put this out on on GitHub is so that the community can test these things out. And if if something's not just perfect, you know, you can you can easily submit a pull request. Like Tristan was saying last week, he loves to see, you know, the community posting a pull request for whether it be something in the UI fabric, whether it's something in the new Office JS documentation. But uh, Mark writes a little bit about this in in his blog that, you know, the Office UI fabric, he was really happy about certain components of it. And then there were others where he felt like he still needed to go and maybe tweak the styles a little bit to get it to to render just right. And I, I've had a similar experience with it. You know, there have been times where um, I used the search box the other day and the search box... Um, some of the the little layover text that it put in it didn't quite align, and you know that was something that I made an update to, and and I hopefully you know like others will submit that back to uh, the original repo. Yeah, and I think you know we're already seeing issues being submitted, and the engineering teams reacting to that. I know like Tobias Immigrants, <laughs> excuse me, has been writing up a bunch of stuff on this as well, and asking about kind of how these things live in bower.io and whether it's better to pull them down with NPM. So look at, look forward to his blog post next week. I believe he's going to publish that on that. So it's great to see some excitement and um, some of the old guard, really, I guess, from the SharePoint developer world, getting on board the stuff and um, looking forward and, and supporting all this open source stuff and our engineering teams jumping on it and reacting, which is great. Um, yeah. Yeah, and one, one of the other ones, I guess, um, Andrew Connell, who's probably done the most work around the Office UI fabric thus far, you know, I, we mentioned this last week, he spun up a little site to be able to actually get a feel for some of the controls. So uh, you, if you go to GitHub, you'll see images of some of the controls, but it's not in, in that, it's a markdown file. So it's harder to make it interactive to where you actually can click on the controls and see how it, it actually works in a user interface. And so, um, you know, Andrew took a, the initiative to put together the officeuifabric.com site. And so he's got kind of a first, um, I guess, release of that to where you can go and, and play around with some of the controls and see what's there and see how you can use it. And I think that will be... From my understanding, we'll have something that's more kind of officially blessed around that, but it's good that, you know, Andrew took the initiative to get something out there early so people can hopefully um, use that as a as a help in, in picking different controls and components they might use in in their applications. Yeah, he's um, he jumped ahead of that, and um, we looped him back in with engineering because I knew that engineering going to be building a site like that themselves, and Andrew was good enough to kind of say, look, you know, I'll take this down once that's up, so... Um, that was really neat that he's done that. So, um, But it's good to kind of see him stumping ahead and giving that feedback, which is great. So, yep, lots of excitement around the fabric. So if you haven't touched UI Fabric, I'd highly recommend um, listening to the, the podcast with Umberto and having a crack at it yourself and styling your add-ins or your office um, web applications kind of around that. And then you've been busy, as usual, getting started with Node.js on Channel 9. I must admit, I haven't watched that show yet, but I do want to do it because I've not written a line of Node.js ever. You know, this was of all, I've done a, this whole getting started series with Sonia and of all of the shows, this was one of my favorites. Um, I, you know, I've only been working with Node for about three or four months, you know, probably since the build timeframe. Uh, I kind of got the feel then that I was already a big Cordova fan and Angular fan. And, you know, the, the, the option of being able to write front end code, back end code, 
and, and native mobile code all with the same language. JavaScript was pretty appealing. And um, in addition to that, since that time, you know, we've, we're going to talk a little bit today around TechCrunch and the experience there. But uh, I found that by far Node was one of the most popular platforms people were building with. And so um, I, I've found it very helpful to get up to speed on it. And I thought the show was really great. So in about 30 minutes, we start from absolutely nothing to a working application that calls into a number of our Office 365 unified APIs. So definitely a great show. Check it out. And, um, you know, if you're new to Node, it's it's a really great starter point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, it'll be useful when we go to Node hackathons and events where we can just kind of point them to that video and get your accompanying samples and stuff going as well. So I appreciate you doing that work, mate. And then um, <clears throat> another one was, I think it's Scott Hillier, actually. We kind of be mentioning all the old guard right now. Um, he did something on IT Unity around um, Excel 2016, um, Office web add-ins uh, with Angular and, and using Office JS. He uses the Fabric too, actually, and he's basically he's using all of the Office JS features that were discussed in your podcast with Rob Howard while I was away. Um, so that's another really neat thing. Go, they actually have a GitHub repo for IT Unity. Um, he's got the Hello Excel 2016 example that you can go and download um, and, and run in Visual Studio. So that was um, something that we've, um, it's been good to see other people kind of sharing their code in, in much the same way that we've been doing with our own public stuff too. I think the neat thing is as well, if you didn't notice when you jumped into our Word and Excel JS samples, if you go to dev.office.com slash code dash samples and filter by Office add-ins, um, you'll actually find that um, we now have two folders in all of our repos. One repo is for Visual Studio projects, and then the other repo is for just a code editor. So you could open those things in Visual Studio um, without all the SLN and, and CS proj or whatever folders you need. So um, we are catering not just to Visual Studio crowd, but also um, to kind of web developers that we talk to like, for instance, when we go to Angular Connect in London in, in two weeks or um, Dev Intersections uh, where there's a lot of web, web developers that just use Visual Studio Code and not Visual Studio 2015 or 2013. So you'll see um, a lot more of that as well as we, uh, as we move forward, which is good. Um, and it kind of shows that direction too. Um, one other or two other exciting things, actually. The, the Office JS Word and Excel add-in APIs uh, for Office... Uh, inside MSDN, uh, right now, we actually publish these on GitHub. And the MSDN platform, the CMS itself now, pulls that information from GitHub directly into the MSDN pages. So as you go into kind of the introductions of Excel add-ins or build the page for build your first Excel add-in, which has tons of screenshots, tons of code samples and walkthroughs and, and whatsoever, you've actually got on every single page now this little GitHub logo um, and the ability to kind of suggest some changes. So you can go and do a, a pull request on that repo um, and, and, um, and suggest some changes there. And the team will actually go through and, and correct those things. So gone are the days where you'd post a comment on MSDN comments. I remember when I was doing this as an MVP and no one would ever react or see them. Um, you know, you can actively go in there and be part of the content creation process now, which I think is a, a really good step for us 
and a, a big congrats to the um, the Max team, formerly CPUB as we call them internally, Content Publishing, um, who have actually worked on this and got it all running. So it's exciting, and I think it's going to be a great way for you guys to give feedback on the documents and raise issues inside that GitHub repo. So um, as you're learning this stuff and you're tr playing around with that documentation, please feel free to submit your issues and concerns there if you come across them. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It looks like there's already uh, there's an active pull request now for uh, these. So um, you know that could quite likely be someone within Microsoft or. You know, hopefully we'll see some from the community as well. Yeah, let's have a look. Oh, that is someone from Microsoft. Yeah, Michael Main is one of the content editors in the Office JS team. So maybe it looks like they're just testing the pull request side of the house in the, in that process, which is neat. And we have all the CLAs, the contribution licensing stuff, all set up automatically, so that if you've never contributed to that repo before, we have this Microsoft bot that's kind of organizational wide that will reach out to you and make you sign something to say that the content is. Um, you know, free for use and not tied to you from an IP perspective too, which is neat. So we wanted to cover off today uh, two things. We wanted to cover off TechCrunch Disrupt San Francisco, which I was not at, but I wanted to go into detail about what was built and kind of your experiences on the hackathon. And then there's no way we can finish this podcast today without talking about all the sexy new announcements that happened this morning around our hardware division. But I think we'll start with the hackathons and we can get excitedly into the hardware afterwards. Yeah. So um, TechCrunch Disrupt, what's it all about, mate? Well, it's, you know, one of the, the biggest hackathons that's run in the world, I think. I, I know it's uh, definitely one of the biggest in the U.S., but it's it's very open. You know, a lot of times when we go to these hackathons, there is a specific type of challenge. Maybe it's a community-related thing. Maybe it's, uh, you know, something around solving a specific industry type of challenge. This was really wide open. You could build anything you wanted and you had all these sponsors that provided uh, different prizes that if you accepted their challenge, you could uh, you know, be a candidate for those prizes. So uh, I think there was 156 teams. And one of the really interesting things about this is the way they do judging, you know, again, having participated in a lot of hackathons, a lot of times judges will float around to the different teams and learn about the projects that way. Well, the, just the volume of this was so large that what they ended up doing, they do this lightning round thing where everyone gets exactly one minute. You have one minute to pitch your, your project and if if you run over, they they basically had the two moderators up there with like Nerf cannons, and they'd like shoot you with with like foam arrows and stuff really? if you if you went over on your time. But I thought that was really interesting, especially if you think about a big room of geeks <laughs> and really having to fine tune that one minute elevator pitch of what they built. That's pretty brutal. Yeah, and and 156 of them back to back to back. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite a an interesting thing, but you know the good thing is is it it was you know very high paced and just kept moving. Uh, but you know that that also in a way, it, what was interesting is as a judge you really didn't you didn't get to, you didn't know really ahead of time if someone used your challenge, and if they ran out of time, they may have done the coolest office integration in the entire conference but if they never got to it in that one minute presentation they you know they kind of lost out and so it was pretty heavily um you know if i were participating in this 
I'd put a lot of effort into what that one minute pitch right. would be. Um, so, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really good experience. Lots of interest in the office 365 APIs and building add-ins. So it was a, it was an awesome experience, I think. So, um, in, in terms of that, like, so how, like they're all in one giant room, how would just people come up and asking questions if they got stuck or what, what was the go there? Like, you broadcast, they knew what challenges are available they could pick from. That's right. Uh, so at the very beginning, we did another thing called the lightning round where every sponsor had about a minute and you got up on this podium. So I got up and, and pitched our two challenges. So we had two challenges um, and we had a, a prize purse of uh, a total of $10,000 in cash. And that was split up a little bit, but uh, we had a what we would we called the general Office 365 hack, and then we had an Outlook specific hack. So um, you know we had these two different challenges, and you know different different groups could just opt in and and start you know using it in, in their project. And so you know, we had um, you know I'm looking through the list. I would say we had um, close to about 10% of the teams did, uh, used office in their, their solutions. I thought that was pretty good. Um, it was about as good as any of the other sponsors yeah. that were there. And, um, you know, some really cool stuff was built. Um, but yeah, it was, it was neat. And so what were the typical questions that people had when they came up to us? Like, you know, I don't, I don't mind being honest about where we're at with that, but w what, what kind of things did you see? You know, it was typical things. It was, you know, how do I, you know, things like how do I get an account to do what I need to, um, what is, what's the best guidance on, on doing authentication so that I can actually call a successful endpoint, uh, get a successful endpoint call. So it was some of the, the typical things like that. There were other teams that did things like uh, add-ins that needed I guess a little bit of coaching on how to get the add-in to the point where you can actually test it. So, you know, we've done great things around the Yeoman generator for, you know, non PC or non visual studio yeah. developers, but you know, there's still an additional hurdle of taking a manifest and, and putting it in a place where I can test it. And so the um, good thing is I actually just did a, another office dev show with Sonya on that topic where we go from zero to 60 on that. But, um, you know, we definitely did some coaching with the, you know, the population of that, that hackathon on how to do those types of things, but uh, nothing, nothing too bad. Uh, it was the full spectrum of platforms that people were building with. Lots of Node developers, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, there were a lot of Python developers. There, there was actually, um, there was a whole group called uh, Girls Who Code that came to this that, you know, they had a lot of um, young, all the way down to like high schoolers that were uh, participating in the hackathon, but also some groups from colleges. And uh, Python seemed to be pretty popular with those. And then we had a lot of just pure Angular uh, applications. So, it was a good, good mixture. And, um, and so from your perspective, what, what did you think was the best one that you saw all up? Like what was the one that really got you excited about what was going on? You know, the one that I liked the most ended up winning the, the Outlook hack. And the reason I like this is I would use it in a heartbeat. So what they did, uh, it was a team called Metro Mail. And what they did is they used the Mail APIs to, in a sense, go out and crawl all of the attachments you have. 
And so you could go into their web application and they had a basically just an attachments view where you had all these little thumbnails of all the different attachments that were in your in your entire mailbox. So, I, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm hosted in in uh, Exchange Online, so my mailbox is in Office 365, I get a 500 gig mailbox. I don't ever delete anything. <laughs> you know, Microsoft has a retention policy. I know you're crazy and keep a zero inbox, Jeremy, but I just don't delete things and I can just use search to find it. Uh, however, searching attachments isn't quite as easy. You know, you can kind of sort by attachment and try to go and locate it. But what they had was this really great user interface to go and find attachments. So they, do, they would do things like have little categories, like go find me, show me all the PowerPoint decks or show me all the Word documents or show me all the images. And they even had aspirations to take this further. Uh, so I actually think they're moving forward doing, maybe actually building a real site with this to um, capture things like receipts. Like I email, I take a picture of a receipt and maybe I email it into an administrator or something like that where um, it can be OCR'd and he actually cat categorized as a receipt uh, instead of just an image. So, um, you know, to me, it was, it was really neat. If, if I'm trying to think of the best way to describe the user interface, it looked a little bit like if you're a OneDrive user, uh, a OneDrive consumer user, when you go to uh, like your camera roll. Uh, so I have my, my, my iPhone, it syncs all my photos automatically to OneDrive. And if I go into that camera roll, it, it you know, gives me nice thumbnails of everything. Think of that type of view, but with nice filters to where I could um, easily filter down and find what all I right, needed to. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a neat, it was one of the, it was my, my judging comment on it was, I would use this today. I, I really would. It was something that I'd use today. Uh, I don't know, you know, given we only have a, a minute to see what yeah. they did. Uh, it was a little bit hard to, there were a few teams we had to go up to and just kind of validate that it, sure wasn't, it wasn't smokes and mirrors or something. Exactly. Exactly. And, and we validated that this team, you know, was definitely, you know, authenticating, calling the real APIs, but you know, I never got to get into the, deep weeds of, well, you can't just query all attachments in one query. So are, how are you crawling it? How are you storing it? Are you just storing a pointer and then and going to it later? Are you keeping a copy? So there were definitely, you know, details that we didn't get to get into, but in terms of concept and the way they executed it and built it, I thought it was, it was pretty, And pretty those awesome. guys had not used our stuff at all in the past or some of them had some experience with it? I don't think anyone that we talked to at this hackathon had experience with our APIs. I don't wow. think so. Uh, now, I say that there was another really interesting hack on the Office 365 side. Uh, and the name of their project, it was one guy. It was called the Zombie Club PowerPoint Hour. And what they, he did was actually pretty interesting he used, it was in PowerPoint, he used both a content add-in and a task pane add-in together in PowerPoint. And so his content yeah. add-in, which if you're familiar with those, it basically, think of it as like an image in the middle of uh, a PowerPoint slide, but it, it's dynamic, it's web yeah, yeah, content. Yeah. 
Uh, so he had that for presentation, but then he used a task pane to actually drive what was being displayed in there and be able to um, actually, in a sense, push content to the, the content add-in. So in a sense, he had two web add-ins talking to each other. You know, he's using things like web sockets behind the scenes. Really neat. I have not seen anyone do that before. I have two add-ins talking to each other. Uh, And the reason I I brought this one up, it was a cool solution, but uh, he he had a little bit of experience building office add-ins, but not the modern add-ins. So he actually had built, yeah, so he had built, I don't remember what technology he had built it in, but he had done some things maybe with VSTO or something in the past. And, you know, here it was a, you know, doing it with our new add-ins. And, you know, he was able to, you know, not only be successful in that, but, you know, did something that I, again, I hadn't seen before, you know, doing the two connected. And, so, and yeah. where can people go? Like, is there, um, I mean, if I go to techcrunch.com, if I hit that page, you can kind of get up some of the information, right? Because it's hosted in DevPost. It's in DevPost. Yeah, we can we can provide a link. In fact, you know what we might do is, in the in the show notes, we'll list the top three winners of both challenges. And in some cases, we we even have a video of their. Um, they they recorded everything, but what ended up happening is some teams would, for some reason, would get. F- Brown out of order, and it was hard, it was hard to find their videos. So, unfortunately, like Metro Mail, we don't have a video of theirs, but we do of some of the other ones that that were demonstrated. Um, that you know, actually, I think everyone but Metro Mail, we have a video of, uh, so you can actually see their one minute pitch. It's in a huge, huge auditorium. Uh, you know, it's 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 very interesting how how they're it's executed, and um, there's a little write up of what they built, and then. You can see the video of what they built. Yeah, and so if, I mean, it's techcrunch.com/events/disrupt-sf-hackathon-2015. But we'll have it in the show notes yep. if people jump to our blog posts and and click through them all. And yeah, it would be nice to get some um, screenshots and that in there as well. But um, they have public voting on this stuff too, right? But I think it was up to you guys as judges to pick who you had for the challenge. I believe that's right. The sponsors were responsible for picking yep. their winners, and um, you know we we had a we had a whole team there that did judging. We built a basically a it was kind of fun. We did a just a Excel spreadsheet where every judge had a column, and we had like twelve people in there that were all judging wow, at once. So we had the cool little co co authoring going on. Uh, it was kind of neat to. We were, we would also put comments in there as we as we saw things, which was kind of fun. Uh, it was a neat 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 way to to do that. So the winner of the Office 365 hack was a team. They built a, a little solution called Daylist, and this was an interesting one because it it was it was similar in a lot of ways to things like the new planner in in Office 365, the new planner capability that you know does task management yeah. and things like that. Um, and so that's kind of what they did is they built this daily task management web application. This one, we, we chose this one as our winner, uh, primarily because of how extensively they used the new unified API. So they made really heavy use of things like files, calendar, um, mail. They really made really good use of that unified API. It wasn't just, hey, let's just use it for one thing. 
they they did a really good job of kind of really putting it through its its test that that weekend and so you know it was it was similar to you know things where i might go and have tasks i could go out to onedrive and attach something to that task that was associated with it you know go and generate events off of a task um, and and so it wasn't it wasn't so much a solution that i haven't seen things similar you know it was again like planner or trello but what was that called uh daylist was daylist. the name of it okay yeah and so um you know this was was a good one this was one of the teams that interestingly when we saw it all we weren't we were like wow did they did they actually get all that working and we had to go and and track them down and the interesting thing was is for most of these teams they actually posted all their the, the actual github repo wow. that they used so Daylist was one that we actually were able to validate just by going and looking at their GitHub repo and we could see exactly what they had done. They used Node and, and we could see, you know, all the different calls they were making on it. And then they, they actually came by and gave us a, a little private demo of it. And, you know, I, I thought it was it was cool uh, to see that. Yeah, that's really neat. And what's nice about DevPost, and we're going to do this with upcoming ones as well, is each submission, you know, they associate it with the challenges that they've submitted it for. And so you can go into DevPost and see the individual uh, things like Yes Reply and Metro Mail and the Zombie Club one and go and jump in and see screenshots. And in some cases, they've actually got the videos already linked directly in here um, with their pitch. So I'm guessing this is the way they practice their pitch before they get up there, um, which is which is pretty neat. Yep, yep. Um so a few more since you mentioned them. Uh, the the second part, place winner on the Office or I'm sorry Outlook hack was a group called the Good Email Club, and this was an interesting one that they basically used an Office add-in and the Office APIs to do sentiment analysis on messages that you had <laughs> coming in. So you could kind of get a get a quick little barometer of. You know, if you get this long, long email from your boss or someone else, you can get kind of just a quick like litmus test of, is this a negative email? Like how negative is this or how positive is this? And um, they even were going so far as to trying to almost put a score on the people that you communicate oh, really? with. I thought this would be a cool one to do with the, um, the office graph. So do, looking at things like people I work with and trying to come up with a happiness score for them. <laughs> but uh, they were using they were using IBM Watson, which was another one of the uh, sponsors there for doing the sentiment analysis. So we have some cool sentiment uh, APIs with what we call Project Oxford, but uh, this this in this case was Watson and they did this cool integration with the you know different emails to be able to to do that. So that was a that was a pretty neat one. I like anytime you throw some sentiment analysis in there and doing text to speech and different things like that. Uh, I think it's it's a pretty it gets a sexiness factor to it that uh, definitely I think won over a lot of the judges. Yeah, that's neat. And it was pretty cool that we had so many teams across both Outlook and the Office 365 challenge and um, the Yammer challenge actually go through and 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 do these things too, which is nice. And I noticed that some of these guys submitted to more than one challenge. So like the Herbal Mixer and Inside and Out used Yammer, Outlook, and Office 365 as part of their solution. So technically, if they won it, they must have got additional prize money, right? 
Yeah, I don't recognize the one that you said there. What was interesting is you, as a participant in these, you could you could say that you participated in any of the challenges right. you wanted to. There was no validation of that until judging. And honestly, at that point, it's up to the judges to determine if you met the criteria. So what we found is there were a lot of people that either just checked every challenge and thought, well, maybe uh, I'll get lucky. You know, maybe they'll think right, it used okay. mine. And then there were others that, um, you know, may have actually used our APIs, but didn't get to it in the one minute. I mean, there were a lot of people that just had to, um, you know, got kind of the, the hook off stage and didn't, didn't get to finish their presentation. So, you know, there were, there were a few, we actually wrote down, we could look at that list and see who all said they did our challenge. Yeah. Right. But the, the actual people that we saw did our challenge was a smaller number. So that's okay though. It looks like the ones that they did get built were pretty neat. And we'll, um, we'll definitely add those into the screen shots and stuff to this thing too. So you can actually go and go and jump and have a look more in detail on these bits and pieces too. Yeah. So we've got a few hackathons coming up. We've got dev intersections in Amsterdam next week. And then we've also got the angular connect event, which is in London the week, week after that. So, um, you know, what, what, how do you think that'll differ from what we've got from these ones? I think they're going to be really interesting. These are all going to be very discreetly um, unique, I think, because, you know, TechCrunch is so broad. It's so, so broad, and you can just do anything you want. Uh, so, interestingly, both Jeremy and I will be at both Dev Intersection in Amsterdam and the Angular Connect event in London. So, if you're in that part of the world, definitely come out and participate. We'd love to see you chat. Love to see you participate and build something cool in the hack hackathons. The the Dev Intersection one, I think my expectation there is it, it'll probably be a little bit more of a friendly Microsoft crowd. That's just my guess is we'll have more of a Microsoft friendly crowd. And, and so I think we'll see people that might have more use of things like Visual Studio. I really didn't see that many people using Visual Studio at TechCrunch. Uh, they were all using, you know, different things like Sublime or Brackets. And uh, I think my expectation is we'll start to see a little bit more of that at Dev Intersection. Um, and then Angular Connect, I think, will be back on the other extreme where, you know, you'll have people on Macs and, you know, right. who knows what. But, uh, you know, the benefit there being... It's all going to be Angular-based, so whereas TechCrunch, I was running in, in just circles, like helping one person with a Python issue, helping another person with a Node issue, helping another person with this. You know, that was really, uh, there's not a lot of people that have that kind of breadth to help people everywhere, um, and so it was a little bit challenging, yeah, I think. Yeah, it makes it tough, right? Whereas I think an Angular, Angular Connect, I hopefully will be a little bit more laser-focused, and, you know, we're bringing... Uh, from from that team, the the content publishing team, they're going to have a couple of guys that do a lot of things with Angular day in day out. Uh, both myself and and you have have done quite a bit with Angular, and so um, it'll be. I think we'll have a a good good showing there of of helpers, and hopefully we'll have good attendance in hackers. Yeah, I think the thing that people often forget about the hackathons is is that it's not necessarily all about winning the prize. A lot of people turn up to use it as a learning experience as well. So the fact that you have, I mean, in one case at Dev Intersections, we've got Andrew Salamatov, who's one of, you know, in my opinion, one of the best program managers we have, developers working in the Outlook team. 
and we have Ryan Gregg, who is basically the engineering brain behind the OneDrive APIs as well. And so having those two guys there, as well as me and you, and a bunch of guys from DX at the Angular Connect thing, it, it really helps to like kind of see it from our perspective, and, and, and you can learn from us in that aspect. So you know, if you are at these events or you see events coming up with hackathons, don't always see it as, oh, well, I'm not going to win, there's no point. I think there's a, a good learning journey to kind of force yourself to, to kind of play with our APIs in that kind of in that world, but also have the ability to have people there, almost like a hands-on lab type experience that you get at like an Ignite or a Build, um, to have people help you unblock, rather than you kind of doing the usual thing, which I do where I'm learning, which is, you know, you're Googling and binging stuff. Well, before I joined Microsoft, now I have the inside track and can just get on <laughs> Skype for business and start asking people when my code doesn't work. <laughs> Um, but I think that's one thing that you know people should take advantage of is the fact that you know we are there in person. It's a great opportunity to kind of see what's brand new and and play with it. But I think for those that are creative and have got some neat ideas, you know, it's a guaranteed way of winning a decent prize too. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, look. So I look forward to seeing people. If you are there and you do listen to the show, please come and say hello. Don't be shy. Um, we're hoping to grow our audience even more at these shows, but it would be nice to, for people that are friendlies and know who we are just to come say hi. So um, bit of traveling for us in the next few weeks. So we're going to have to work out how we're going to do the podcasts next week in um, Amsterdam. That's one thing we've got to work out. Yep. And then on to that, unfortunately, we can't give away these things at these next two hackathons because we've only just found about them this morning. But if you were asleep and under a rock after listening to the show on Thursday, which is two days from now where we're sitting recording this in our office, um, there were some huge announcements this morning. Yeah, you know, it's I I get very proud of our company when we're able to. Oh man! When we're well, not, not only when we put it, we announce really cool things, but you know, I think for the first time, we really surprised everyone. Yeah. You know, almost almost as well as like the first time that we announced the original Surface. You know, we did. Uh, a, a, I think. No one was really expecting that. There was not not a chance. Yeah, I mean, people were doing rumor mill around the Surface Pro Four and what its specs were going to be for the last two months, but no one expected us to drop the Surface Book. That's right. So in my in my mind, the the, the Surface Book by far was the stole the show. Uh, I, you know, as cool as the the Surface Pro Four is, um, I actually was a little bit more interested in the uh, continuum dock they had where I could just take my phone and yeah. that was pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's the the size of like a, um, I mean, just a little bit bigger than a matchbook almost that you just hooked in a, your USB to and then out you could do full 1080p HDMI to a monitor. Yeah, I mean, you know, the hardware on the Apple side, which I mean is, is closest, you know, that's the competition, that's what we're going for. Um, if they can, if we can get the the apps on these mobile devices, that, it's a no-brainer. I mean, I think on Twitter this morning, I was like, I think that the, the Lumia phones now are, you know, it's the next generation enterprise BlackBerry in the sense that it can be completely controlled and it has those whiz-bang things such as Continuum that if you're a road warrior, you know, you can literally plug in anywhere with that little harp, um, which is which is really nice. I think. It, I think the funniest thing about it all was we started the presentations with a HoloLens and that's not what anyone's talking about. Yeah. Everyone is talking about, well, I'd say the Surface Book first, uh, then the Surface Pro 4, which is a beautiful machine. I think the upgrades to the keyboard are really impressive. 
And then obviously the band too as well, which has come a long way. It looks a lot more polished from a, a wearable in terms of it's not so clunky with the corners and the edges that the old one had. Yeah. Did you ever have a band one? I didn't. Uh, you know, I was interested, but at the time I was interested, they were so hard to find. You couldn't, you couldn't yeah, find one. Yeah, that's true. And so by the yeah. time, by the time I was able to find one, it, it kind of come and gone. I'm, you know, I'm a big runner. And so I, I like just a normal yeah. Garmin watch for, uh, for running, but yeah, it was, it was a super, super impressive event. Uh, you know, what's funny is, uh, Jeremy and I, and a few other CJ and Andrew Connell and Sonia, we were all, um, kind of doing our own private, uh, web blog of, of this as, as they were doing the announcements this morning. And like they, so they showed the surface book and they did kind of the whole thing of it as a laptop. And then Panos was like, let's watch that video one more time. And at the end of the video, they separate <laughs> the screen. And that's the first time that you see that the, the screen is basically a really thin tablet in its own right. We were all like, man, he should just drop the mic now. I mean, it was, it was so over the top, I thought. Yeah, I was, it was very well planned. The pace of the, the keynote was great. I think uh, Panos is is a very passionate speaker. I, I it was interesting. I Joe Belfry wasn't on stage, and I love him as a presenter in that space too. I was surprised he didn't come up and do the phone stuff. I know. Um, but that new guy that you've said you've seen before, the Latino dude. Holy moly! What a great demo he did. Yeah. Um, of the phone, like that, just shows you like, you know, we're not afraid to have someone a little bit edgy out there. Um, in a, in a, in that kind of forum, you know, like we're not going to stay trying to be an Apple keynote. It was very much a Microsoft keynote, which was great. Yeah, it was, it was good. Um, I thought just in general and, and so far, like all the feedback that I've seen online has been, been really positive with it. So, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, the customer sat of the surface is really high. I think Apple have done us a favor by pushing out an iPad pro and getting the average Joe thinking about a pencil and this notion of a, a tablet that can be used instead of a laptop. And I think people are going to be aware of the surface and they're going to do their comparison. I mean, a lot of people walk straight in the Apple store and just be Apple only, but the people that go into a Best Buy or in Australia, like a Harvey Norman or what, whatnot, they're going to have them in the same room and do a side-by-side -side comparison. I think if people are familiar with Windows, they'll stick to it. You know what else was kind of a neat, um, just a, another validation of kind of the groups that, that we're in is Office was, again, a, a pretty big showcase of, of these new devices. So both in the continuum, if you saw the, what they did on the phone in terms of you know, using the phone, things like Outlook on the phone, and then jumping over and, and kind of connecting that up to have a, a full you know, big monitor experience with continuum, you know, Office was really the showcase. And even on the new Surface devices, both the Surface Pro 4 and the Surface Book is, you know, uh, you saw a lot of Office, things like OneNote, things like, you know, some of the, the rich integration in the device. So, yeah, I thought it was clever how they did part of the pen integration was OneNote and then part of the integration was Cortana as well. Yeah, yeah, the hold, holding Although the eraser I, I, longer, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to call out Panos though. There is zero chance him talking to Cortana to get that search of the New York Microsoft store was live. <laughs> he turned the surface to face him and he mumbled that. And there's no way that even I could barely understand what he said, let alone Cortana understand yep. it. Yep. But um, I think they've learned their lesson after Sacha being tripped up at the um, 
Salesforce. The Salesforce keynote. But he handled that so well when that stumble happened. If you haven't seen it, go on YouTube. Um, he kind of laughed it off and, you know, carry on his merry way. But um, We've all been there. We've yeah. all been there. Oh, totally. I don't think I'd want to do a live one. Well, you've, you hear my accent. There's no way Cortana on stage. Yeah, I wouldn't me. want to do anything voice-related on stage. I can I can barely get it to say get it to prompt when I say hey Cortana, let alone uh, give it a command to do as well. So yeah, it's interesting. Like I've got a X1 Carbon sitting here, Lenovo, with a touchscreen, no stylus, and I was using a Surface Three when I was roaming around the halls in meetings. But I must admit, I did find that really slow. But um, I'd certainly, I mean, I was going to jump on the Pro Forest, and as my hardware. Um, upgrade happens here with me hitting my two years here at Microsoft. But now I've seen the Surface Book. I mean, you've just got to go whole hog on the book, right? I mean, it's going to be way faster specs than the Pro 4. The price point's a little bit higher, but um, it's definitely a nice bit of kit, I think. Hey, if, 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 if Bill, Father Bill wants to pay that difference, then I say go for it. Uh, yeah, I suspect I can wing it. I need. I can't go. I guess I could develop on the Surface Pro Four. So the specs are a lot faster as well than the Pro Three. Right? I, yeah, and I use I use a Pro Three almost exclusively for development. Yeah, I'm a little bit blind though, so the bigger screen would probably help me too. Yeah. yeah. That's why I kind of I kept switching back to my MacBook Pro was for the bigger screen. I'm not too fussed about the weight. I do like a bigger screen to look yeah, at. Yeah, I think it's a 13.5 on the Surface Book. So. But. Uh, and I liked Panos's dig at the pencil too. <laughs> he had a couple of good digs in there, but yeah. Yeah, there were some nice ones. But um, yeah, no, it's exciting times. It's good to see us kind of innovating and being part of the Apple keynote with Office on the iPad Pro, and then you know innovating again on the hardware side with all these new this new uh, gadgetry. So it's uh, it it might flip me. I know Sahil Malik already pinged me on Facebook asking how much I wanted for my Apple Watch. <laughs> So, we'll, uh, we shall see. Cool. Okay, well, um, thanks for jumping on, Rich. I know you're busy today and we're all prepping to get, get on the road. I leave on Thursday just after this show gets published, actually. And I'll be on the road for two, two weeks, hopping and jetting between airports and hotels. So, um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Not sure what we're going to have next week. If you're on Twitter, give us some suggestions. What do you want to hear about? Well, we do. And um, we do have um, we have another podcast punk this week. Oh yes, we yeah. Do. So this if we've had we've had Todd Baginski on the show. In fact, when we had Todd on, it was probably about two or three months ago. We were talking about uh, a big project that he's done for us. That's a really cool sample. You can you can actually go get off GitHub, or if you go to dev.office.com/slash/code-samples, you can find this. It's called the Property Manager. And it's the property manager is a very comprehensive solution. It has a standalone web component. It has some add-ins. It has mobile applications. It's it's really a pretty neat holistic solution. So we had a little bit of fun with Todd. We had uh, someone call Todd and act as an IT administrator that had deployed the property manager in production and was going through some pretty significant challenges with that, so much so that <laughs> they were at, uh, it had been compromised and they were at risk of losing some property um, as their property management company. And so it was, it was pretty funny seeing Todd's, Todd's reaction. Um, <laughs> he was a good sport about it, but uh, he was freaking out quite a bit. I'm still quite surprised that everyone's been very chilled 
when they're responding. I, I hope you don't get me on a bad day where I'm not got my guard up, where I'm thinking that I'm going to be punished. I think we're aborting too soon with these. I think we need to push it a little bit harder and see if we can't get someone to lose their cool a little bit more. Yeah, like we need to get a bit more aggro. So if anyone's got any suggestions, feel free to um, ping me or Rich with people you think will go over the top and explode on the phone. Yep. Because it's always good fun. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, so definitely hang out. Check out the podcast Punked with Todd and, uh, you know, let us know what you think if you're enjoying them. Oh, and one last thing, because I can. The swag boxes came in. I know we mentioned this in last week's show, but I wanted to bring up again. You can basically email us address. This is in the blog post on dev.office.com slash blogs. And if you run a user group or you're going to be speaking at a user group and want some giveaways, um, you can actually request that with your address and we'll post you a box. And um, they've been delivered, as I mentioned on the show last week. And uh, man, there's some good swag in there. Yep. I, uh, the dev.office.com mugs, hoodies, T-shirts, pin badges, stickers, the uh, Jambox mini speakers, which are awesome when you're on the road. Um, there are some good, good gear in there. So, um, yeah, if you're running a user group and you want some giveaways and you're doing a developer session or you're a speaker and you're going to be doing a developer session and you want some swag, just let me know and um, we'll get one to you ASAP. I've, I've finally worked out the easiest way to post these things from Redmond. Thank you, Rich, for that link. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone enjoy their week. Go pre-order the Surface Book and the Surface Pro 4s and the Band 2 and the Lumia. I forget the number. What's the number? Uh, Nine, 950, 950 yeah, and the 950XL, yeah. I think. Yeah. Go, go pre-order that stuff, and I can't wait to see everyone talking about them once these, these things ship. So um, enjoy, and we'll speak to you next week. Awesome. Hi, uh, is this Todd Bagainski? Oh, sorry about that. Um, so Todd, hi, my name is Lauren McIntosh and I'm an IT director with Properties here in Texas. Um, you've probably never heard of us and I'm sorry to bother you so late, but uh, we're, we're an office, Microsoft Office 365 customers and one of our developers recently discovered um, the property manager product you produce. That is your oh, yeah. product, yeah. right? Okay, yeah, great. So we- Yeah, we built that. I'm actually uh, built the slide deck right now and built the uh, and training for Microsoft, which I've been recording and they're gonna put on an SPS. Oh, great. You know, we, we love um, it. How did you get my cell phone um, I think this, I don't know, one of our legal contacts and someone in the legal group actually got it. I'm not quite sure what number um, this is. It's my cell phone. I'm just asking because it's rare that anybody ever contacts me on this number out of the deal. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, what can I do for you? Well, so one, um, we love the product. So, um, I, I have a little bit of bad news about it, but we've successfully deployed it to our organization. And recently we ran into kind of a little bit of a critical issue um, with the product. So I was wondering if you can kind of help us out with uh, getting some fix, a quick update or a fix made to it. And I can kind of get into the details and give you the high level. And you know, if we need a follow-up call with the developer to get into the details, I can set that up as well. Todd, are you still there? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Um, 
because our, our legal counsel reviewed it and seems to think that the licensing agreement on GitHub plus some of the information that you've provided, um, you know, through conferences and presentation material that this is more than a product. But, but let me just give you a quick overview of what's happened. So we actually deployed, published this iOS app to the App Store and all of our maintenance and consortium staff, they're able to download it, it was great. But then, unfortunately, one of our competitors actually downloaded it as well, and then they were able to compromise the app, get access to our property data, and through a course of activities, they've filed now an imminent domain injuncture with the Texas Attorney General. And that's really um, caused us quite a bit of heartache because it left us with a 26-unit multifamily property that we can't lease any longer, and we could probably even lose it. Anyways, so that, that side is all with legal and over my head, which is why I, I probably have this number. Um, they ultimately are seeing if you can help us make a quick update to it, and that would help ease a lot of things. And I'm trying to shield you from our legal. They, they're, they're being really, 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 <laughs> you know how lawyers are. So I'm trying to shield you from all that. And just wondering if you can make a quick update to it because our developers are not... Um, I don't think they're able to really get into the code and understand how to get that update done. Hmm. Wow. How about them apples? Okay. Um, we never thought anyone would actually ever do what you guys did with it. It's quite a compliment, actually. Um, so... Yeah, so, okay. I mean, I mean, really, we just want an update. It's a very urgent issue. Yes. I'm working, I, I'm completely booked at work right now. Uh, I close up my house tomorrow to sell it, and I'm moving across the country the following week. Is uh, there... And my time is, <laughs> I, I don't really have any spare cycles I can personally spend on it. Is there I any way... I have the ability to take someone on my dev team and, and have them work through it, and I would need to assign... Uh, one of my business analysts or project managers to be the one who would interface with you guys to learn about what's going wrong and, and what we need to change. So um, that sounds really, I mean, I appreciate that offering. We are just so time sensitive right now with 
all the legal stuff and the legal counsel, the filings, our lost revenue daily. I mean, our legals even talked about things like suing your company for lost revenue. But, um, you know, we don't have to get into that now. I mean, ultimately, we do business a little bit differently in Texas and trying to look for the quickest way possible. But, uh, you know, do you, you know, I know you're moving cross country, you're packing. Do you? Well, they have mentioned it, but, you know, I, I don't want to put words in their mouths. I mean, I think they'll reach out to you when the timing is right. But um, do you know, since you're moving and there's not a lot of time available, do you know of anyone that might be even able to just scare our competitors or maybe get into their email or hack into their systems? Is that something faster that your your dev team or your BA can help us with? You're asking me to hack into someone else's Hey, hey, Todd. Todd, this is Rich and um, Jeremy from Australia. This is, you've been podcast punked, my friend. Oh my God. Come on, gentlemen. How do you like the, the property manager being a product that's already deployed to the app store? Oh my God. Well, I was really trying to be politically correct, and I was holding back on saying it's right here in the reading. We have not fallen off the map. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources. You can also check here for more information on our developer program where you can get a one-year, three developer tenant stop building against the Office 365 platform. We're always here to chat with you on the Office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash office365devpodcastyam. Or you can follow us on Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding.